Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. My partner, Matt, is a fan of taking me on surprise dates, secret adventures, in which the only information given is, you'll want to be dressed up, or you'll need a bike and a water bottle. On a recent surprise date, we spent an afternoon wandering through Boston's community gardens. Many of the entrances are locked, so we scaled trees, and we jumped over gates, and we climbed through holes in the fences, and then we wandered through the flowers and the vegetables. A few gardeners smiled at us, and it strikes me that strolling hand in hand and chatting about marigolds, it is possible that we were insufferably cutesy. Later, riding home on the train with pilfered lilacs in hand, I pick up a magazine on the seat next to me and I read about our own David Wilson, a long-standing member of Arlington Street Church. In order to understand this section of the article that I'm about to read to you, it's important to recall that David is an openly gay black man. The article says, One evening, as David returned home from work, he found his lover lying on their driveway. He called his neighbors for help, and they called 911. When the police arrived, they proceeded to arrest David, assuming that because he was black, he was breaking and entering and had assaulted the man on the ground. In the article, David explains that his neighbors came to his defense and the police arrested him, but there were more challenges for David at the hospital. The article says, they wouldn't give me any information because they didn't recognize our relationship. They called my partner's 75-year-old mother who gave them permission to tell me that he was dead on arrival. I looked from this article back to my stolen lilacs. And I thought about that hedge that I had just pushed through, that fence that I had just jumped. I wondered if David, who had narrowly escaped arrest for being black in his own driveway, would have been met with the same reception. I wondered if two gay men, one black, one white, breaking into a garden, would have been considered insufferably cutesy. I also thought back to the time that I had taken my partner to an emergency room and the care and staff that the, uh, the care that the staff took to ensure that I had all of the information I requested. So it seems that there are things that my straight, white, occasionally cutesy self is allowed to do that other people may not be allowed to do. With David's story as my inspiration, this summer has been a journey that I think of like Pete Seeger's seesaw that my dad just read about. A journey to recognize that the other side of prejudice or holding someone down is holding someone up. And like a seesaw, 
this person has to remain down in order for this other person to remain up. The question is what can I, as someone whose race, class, and sexual orientation generally places me on the up end of the seesaw, what can I do that brings us back to equal, such that I can look in the other person's eyes and we both have our feet on the ground? That's a tall order, to be sure. Pete Seeger, if you'll recall from the reading, recommends a lot of people with a lot of teaspoons. Well, I'm a lifelong UU, so I'm well-versed in the belief that education is the answer, even if we're still a little hazy on the question. So I took a class called White People Challenging Racism, where they asked me, how do you identify? How do I identify? I had no idea what that question even meant. It sounded like a secret code. You know, you need a password to get in. What's your secret code? Identify. How do you identify? So take a moment, consider how you might answer that question. I'm what? I thought, well, I'm a woman. I'm a Unitarian Universalist. I'm a filmmaker. Author Bell Hooks tells us that when asked about our identities, the first, people, the first thing people often think of is the ways that they are different from other people. One theory is that these are the areas we've had to fight the hardest for. As you're willing, with a show of hands, when asked, how do you identify, how many of you thought of ways in which you are different from most people? How many of you who are white included I'm white on your list? Interesting. White didn't even make my list at all. I sort of forgot somehow. You could say I'm colorblind because I'm blind to the opportunities and ease that my color and sexual orientation grant me, the ease of the mainstream. Well, like what? I hear you thinking. What does my white straightness allow me to do? What's happening on the up end of this seesaw? Well, the obvious one is that I can get married anywhere in the world. Let's start there. Another less obvious one is that, according to a study from the University of Maryland, I will make 14% more money than my lesbian peers. As a white person with health insurance, my visit to the emergency room is 50% more likely to be authorized by the insurance company than a visit to the emergency room by an African-American person with health insurance. Statistically, my family will make $10 for every dollar made by a family of color. For every job I've ever applied to, the person determining if I'm a good fit looks like me. So if that's the view from the up end of this seesaw, more access, more money, more rights, then what can I personally do to bring both sides eye to eye? I thought initially, nothing. I'm one person, this is way too big for me. I'm only one. But still, I am one. I cannot do everything, but still, I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, 
I will not refuse to do the something that I can do. I was reminded of a wonderful African proverb. It goes like this. If you want to go quickly, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. If you want to go quickly, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. We together, as a denomination, have and continue to go far. We have been putting teaspoons of sand into that bag at the top of that seesaw for years. As the first religion to create a permanent office for gay and lesbian advocacy, as one of many denominations that joined King and Selma, I'm standing at the site of one of the first gay marriages in America in a building that is my home. I'm standing here on the side of love asking what do we do to level these injustices, to meet each other eye to eye with our feet on the ground. So it's true, I'm only one. Still, I am one. And I am one of thousands. Today, we continue to go far together. It turns out that the Unitarian Universalist Association, which is the governing body of our congregations across the country, the UUA, launched a national campaign on exactly this topic this past June. Hmm. Who knew? I think I need to read my newsletter more often. This national campaign is called Standing on the Side of Love. And for those of you who've been around a few years, this standing on the side of love idea is generally connected to our work with same-sex marriage. So the concept is to take that success and run with it. So it's standing with anyone who is experiencing discrimination because of their identities. One of the keys to the campaign is to mobilize quick responses to intolerance of people's identities. Here's what some of the folks in this room right now have been up to in the quick response department. In brief, members of our congregation belong to a citywide anti-racism rapid response team that is currently responding to foreclosures and evictions by participating in protests and rallies, writing, to letters, writing letters to the editor, lobbying legislators, and more. Your friends in this room are already part of that effort. We have a five-year commitment to walk with the people of New Orleans as they endure the long recovery from Katrina, a commitment that to date has resulted in hundreds of hours of volunteer labor, thousands of dollars in financial support, and a new partnership with First Unitarian Universalist Church of Boston that is also sending money and people and hope. We support in action and in resources our urban ministry program, which provides after-school programs, work with men in the criminal justice system, and emergency shelter for abused families. So I am one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do the something that I can do. Back to David Wilson's story. As many of you know, after his run-in with the police and the hospital staff, David and his now new partner, Rob, would become plaintiffs in a lawsuit against the state of Massachusetts 
that would result in the legalization of same-sex marriage. David and Rob, yes, <laughs> David and Rob would be among the first gay couples married in this country so that that experience at the hospital could never be repeated in this state. David has also left his executive level position at Verizon and now teaches diversity education programs at universities, high schools, and yes, police departments, so that fewer black men will be arrested for standing in their own driveways. David is only one, but still he is one, and he is one of thousands. We, in turn, can be the neighbors who stand up for David against the police. We can be the citizens who demand his right to marry. We can send money and people and cards to New Orleans to walk with the wronged on that journey. We can turn to the folks who walk in our doors and reach out to them not only to join us on our journey, but for us to join them on theirs. We can continue as a faith to show up and listen up and step up. Each time we choose action over despair, we add one more teaspoon of sand to the basket at the top of the seesaw. I am only one. Still, I am one. I am one of thousands. I am one of this beloved community of spirit and hope. Blessed be. Amen.